Now, how about you adults? Are you ready for a story? Right on. Nice to see you. Now, I want everyone to think for just a minute about all of the people, all of the characters that are in the Christmas story. We've got Mary. We've got Joseph. We've got some shepherds, some angels, some upset in-laws, an angry king, right? We've got wise men. We've got we got camels, we got sheep, we got all kinds of stuff. Now, what intrigues you about the story? Who is your favorite character? Who is the person that totally intrigues you? For me, it's the wise men. I, I love the story of the wise men from the book of Matthew. And there are a couple of reasons for that. I mean, one is because of the mystery. I mean, it's like they're wise men and they came from the east. And that's like pretty much it, right? And then they do, they come and they worship the king and that's all, they give gifts, but we don't know much about them. And so for 2,000 years, people like me have said, I want to know more about those guys. I mean, that's, we don't know how many there were. We don't know what country they came from. We don't know if they knew each other ahead of time or if they met on the road. We don't know what religion they were, right? We don't know a lot of things. Now, people have guessed over time their name right? Balthazar is my favorite one. Balthazar. I always like that name. But people have guessed their names. They've guessed where they come from. Some people have said, well, one's obviously from Persia, one's obviously from Babylon, and one's from India. And then the Chinese have said, well, we've got to have one too. So maybe there were four, right? We know that they gave three gifts. We don't know how many wise men came. Now, two big schools of thought, like most scholars would say, either these guys are Zoroastrians, from Persia, and that's an ancient religion that's also monotheistic. So they would say, hey, this makes sense. And there are some interesting pr um, prophecies within that religion about a star and about a savior of the world coming with fire. So they're like, ah, oh, maybe, that, maybe that's their, their lineage, right? Now, others would say, no, 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 they're from Babylon, clearly, because Babylon was all about astrology and these guys are astronomers and astrologers extraordinaire. They're watching the sky all the time. And think about Daniel. Because 700 years previous, the children of Israel in captivity in Babylon, Daniel's there as an advisor to king. He's hanging out with all these guys. So 700 years later, some of them are probably remembering his prophecies about the Messiah coming. And they're paying attention. Now, this is also interesting. At this time in Israel the religious leaders were kind of like very liberal and just thinking that, uh, you know, prophecies are just probably spiritual and not to be literally interpreted anymore. So they had kind of given up on God's prophecies. So these guys come from hundreds, perhaps thousands of miles away. They travel through the desert and they make it all the way to Jerusalem following what? A star in the sky. So they show up in Jerusalem, and then we pick this up in Matthew chapter 2. It says this, they followed the star, the star to Jerusalem. When they arrived in the city, they asked, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They were coming for something very specific, but they didn't know exactly where to look. For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Just a little side note, Herod is not a nice guy. 
Herod killed anyone that would threaten his throne. He would take them out. In fact, one historian said, I would rather be one of Herod's pigs than one of his sons. He killed a few wives. He killed lots of advisors. He killed some of his own sons. So when, when it says Jerusalem is upset with him, you better believe it. This man got his way. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes from the people and he said... Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they looked to the prophet Micah, and they said, In Bethlehem of Judea. So let's look at this story for a second. The wise men show up in Jerusalem and say, Where's the Messiah going to be? Herod gets upset. He creates a big stir. He calls all the religious leaders together. They say, Bethlehem. Herod gets really jealous, really nervous. And he says, okay, wise men, go find him and come back and report to me so that I can go worship him. Lying. Yeah, right, like he's going to go worship his yeah, successor. There's no way. So the wise men go and they find the star again. I think it's really interesting that the star led them to Jerusalem and then they were like, it's gone. Well, maybe we go look here. And they asked around and then they went back out and there's the star again, which leads them to the house. Now, some people have said this is a comet. It's clearly like a planet exploding. Or, you know, How's that going to lead them to a house? I think this is a miracle because they knew what house. They didn't go door to door throughout the whole town going, anybody know Mary? They went to the house and they went in there and it says in verse 11, entering the house they saw the child and his mother Mary and what did they do? They bowed down and worshipped him. This is the key to this whole passage. And for us, this is the key to Christmas. This is what tonight is all about. This is what our lives are all about. Are we going to bow down and worship this king named Jesus? These wealthy and powerful men didn't even think twice. They came in and they said, of course, I'm bowing down and worshiping the king of the universe. They got off their high horse or their high camel or whatever it was, and they just buried their faces in worship of this king. Now, picture Joseph and Mary. They are in a poor house in Bethlehem. They did not go back to Nazareth, probably because they were afraid of their in-laws and their outlaws and all these people that were judging them for having an illegitimate son. So they stayed away and they went, well, we're in Bethlehem anyway. The shepherds like us, you know, let's hang out here. So they stayed in that city. And then there's just, I just picture them every day praying and going, Lord, what's next? We're here, we're waiting, but we're kind of refugees in a strange place. And they were praying and saying, God, what are you going to do? Can you deliver us? What, you know, we're poor, we're, we're directionless. We're, what, are we, what, what is next? And then notice God bring, brings his deliverance from hundreds of miles away, these guys traveled probably at least a year to get to where they were. Deliverance was on the way. So some of you need to hear those two messages before we move on. One is this. Maybe you're not welcome at home. And you, home is the last place you want to go. That's these guys. God's with you in that place where you're like, I, I don't know where my home is. I, I don't feel welcome there. And he wants to come alongside of you and love you through that and restore you. If that means restoring you to home, great. If that means making home where your feet are planted, great. 
Here's the other thing that comes out of that story. Some of you have been waiting for his deliverance for a long time. And you need to hear that deliverance is on the way. And it takes time. Now notice what happens next. These guys bow down and they worship. And then what else do they do? They give gifts. And the meaning of those gifts is just beautiful. It says in verse 11, they opened their treasures and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is the gift for a king. So they were not just worshiping him as savior and as some spiritual thing, but they were saying, you're the king, you're the ultimate king. Here is gold to signify that you're the king of all. And this is interesting too. Joseph and Mary would have to flee the next day for Egypt. Now they had money to make the trip. They had money to be refugees in Egypt for a couple of years. God provided right in the nick of time. The next thing is is frankincense or incense. That's what you take into the temple. That's what the Orthodox guys burn, right, when they're going in to, to bring the prayers before the Lord. They brought that to Jesus to signify either that he was God himself and they were worshiping him with incense or that they were seeing him as the great high priest, the only way that man can meet with God. And Jesus said, there is no other way to be with the Father except through me. The last gift that they brought was myrrh. This is a strange gift to give a child. Myrrh is used to embalm dead bodies. It's an expensive resin spice. And it was what was used on Jesus when he was prepared for burial. So they gave this gift to him for one of two reasons. Either they knew the prophecies about the suffering Messiah and they understood when the religious leaders didn't, they understood what he was coming to do or the Holy Spirit prompted them and said, here's what I want you to do. Now notice what happened. These three gifts were a huge message to Mary and Joseph who were saying, what's our life supposed to be about? I mean, we've got the, we've got the Savior here, but now what? So these three wise men come and worship down, and and Mary and Joseph are just having their minds blown like, look, these guys, these powerful men are bowing down to our son, who's the son of God. And they gave these gifts, and then Mary, it says she treasured all this in her heart. She must have said like, I get it. The three gifts are very significant. They show what his whole life is supposed to be about. Now, another thing that fascinates me about this story is what happened after the wise men left. Because it says that in a dream, they knew they were not supposed to go back to Herod and tell him where the baby was. They were supposed to leave by another route. I looked up the word route, and it's interesting. It means a physical path, a road. It also means a metaphorical road, a way of going. So I feel like this message that's in this story of these wise men is that they left by a different road and they left forever changed. Once you experience who Jesus is, you are forever changed. If you feel like, yeah, I'm a Christian, I've been doing this for years and it's fine, you have not met the real, born, died, risen again Jesus who changed history by coming, who interrupts our lives and reorients our lives towards him. You have never met him if you can 
say that your life has not been changed by him. Now, that happens for a lot of us in the church. I felt like I grew up in the church. I went through the motions. I learned the stuff. I knew the Bible stories better than anybody. I could, I could win Bible trivia against any of y'all. But there was something that happened later on, like when I was you know, like 18 or 19, like the lights came on and I was like, duh, Jesus has been right here and I've never just bowed my life down to him and said like, it's all yours. I surrender. You are the king and you are God and you are my savior. And just like the wise men, I had to come to that moment of saying like, it's all about you. It is not about me and it's not about being religious. Now, there's even more to this story. Let's go one more level. Check this out. What did Herod do? What was his response to this great news about the Messiah? He goes and he kills all the babies in in Bethlehem. He brings a genocide. And he says, I'm going to take out all of them so nobody gets my throne. Now, think about that. You might say, what a bad... Oh, I can't believe it. How would someone ever be like that? Think about your life for a minute. Sometimes we are not willing to give up the throne, and we will do anything. We will cross any length. We will, we will bring violence upon ourselves, upon other people, because we are like, I am in charge of my life, and he will not be. That's Herod. Now, think about this. We all have this really cute picture of the peaceful Bethlehem scene, right? Jesus was born into a time of Roman occupation. The soldiers could do anything they wanted. And he was born just before a genocide in that town when all the kids were slaughtered. He was born into war. Christmas is also war because Christmas is the death of death. Christmas is, it brings the death, the end of oppression. And Satan is not willing to give up territory easily. And he took out all those little kids because he was not going to go down without a fight, and neither was Herod. So we got to keep that in mind when we think about this Christmas story, that it's not just cute, it is powerful, and it is beautiful, and it is life-changing. And in your life as well, there is a fight for who's going to be on the throne. Now notice what happened to these priests and scribes. What did they do? Absolutely nothing. They knew the prophecies. They knew them well. They grew up in church. They heard about the star. They did not even go six miles to Bethlehem to check it out because they knew better. They knew this was just a legend. This was just a myth. Christmas is just a story. Some of you guys sitting in this room, that's you. You're like, you're here to be polite to somebody. And you, you know, Christmas to you is eggnog and gifts, right? This is just a story. But I want to challenge you tonight that Jesus brought you here for a reason to break into your life and to shatter all that stuff and to wake you up and say, it's not about religion and it's not about this little cute story. It's about your life waking up to who he is. Maybe these guys were just lazy and comfortable and they were like, eh, whatever, I'm not going there. Man, that creeps into our culture. And and I, I keep thinking about this. I think that being comfortable and being lazy is so dangerous in our culture and it keeps us from following Jesus. Man. So here's the question tonight for everybody that sits here. How will you respond to this Jesus? 
Who will you be more like? Will you be like Herod, who is full of pride, who is full of anger? Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been wronged. Maybe you've seen hypocrisy. Maybe you... The Lord is not going to accept that as really a great excuse and go, oh, no sweat for you, man. You know, I know you saw hypocrisy. It's all good. He asks, will you worship him or not? Will you worship him or not? If you're like Herod and you're unwilling to give up the throne of your life, I want to ask you tonight, God wants to ask you tonight to bow down, to give him the throne of your life, and to let him be the king. And if that is you, before we go any further, before we sing another song, I want to give you a chance to pray that right now. And I want you to pray that he would be the king and you would not. So just, just in your mind, in your heart, just right now, say, God, I have been like Herod. I've been angry. I've been prideful. And I'm not willing to give up the throne of my life. And I ask Jesus that you would sit on the throne. I picture myself getting off. I bow down before you as king. And I say, Jesus, be my king. Amen. But maybe you're like the religious leaders and you feel like this Jesus thing is just, this Christmas is just a legend, it's just a myth. You're above this. This is child's play. And you need to hear God say, this is not child's play. This is war over your life. This is, are you going to worship him or are you not? Are you going to see Jesus as the focus of Christmas or are you not? Do you know better than God? The answer is no. This is your moment. Jesus is inviting you to come and see him for who he is. This is your, his gift to you tonight. And I want to ask you, if that's you right now and you're in here and you feel like, I have not taken this Jesus seriously and I've just been kind of busy or lazy or just thinking I'm too much of an adult, I'm too grown up for him? Get that right right now. And let me just lead you in a prayer like that along those lines. Jesus, I admit that I've been busy or lazy or just distracted by life. I've been, I've been all about myself and just thinking I'm too smart. I'm, I'm too together to really be all about you. But Jesus, tonight I feel like you're calling me out of that dark place into your light. And I want to be like those wise men. I want to bow down. I want to give you everything. I want to see you as the purpose of my life. So tonight, Jesus, I say yes. Now, what about the rest of us? Maybe you don't identify with Herod. You don't identify with the religious leaders, but you feel like, I just want to be like the wise men, man. I want to just bow down. I want to give my whole life. I want to just be, I want to be all in for him. I want to be on my face giving my gifts, and just say like, Lord, take my life wherever you want. And tonight you want to go home by a different route. You want to leave those doors forever changed. And you want to drive by houses with lights on them and go, yes, I get it. And you want to sing Christmas carols tomorrow and go, yes, I get it. Now let's pray that prayer. If that's you, just join me. Jesus, I just want to be like those wise men and be on my face before you, and I feel like I have not had a life that worships yours. And so, Jesus, I just give you me, and I give you the gift of me. I just lay it down. I don't have gold. I don't have frankincense. I don't have anything like that, but I give you me. And I ask Jesus that you would be my Savior and my Lord, and you would fill my life and my heart.
Amen. Now, before we move on and do anything else, you guys who prayed that prayer tonight, any of those three prayers, we're going to have you come first in a little while and light candles. And that's going to signify what Jesus has brought into your lives and into your hearts, this light of who he is. So if you prayed one of those prayers tonight and there were a lot of you know, people out there doing business with the Lord, just raise your hand. You don't have to go crazy, but just raise a hand up and go, that's me. I prayed that prayer tonight to get things right with him. Wow, praise God for a ton of you. Let's clap and thank the Lord for that. That is just amazing. Wow. Now we are going to go into a time of communion. We have five communion tables that are set up around the room, two in the front and three in the back. And before we get into that, do you know what Christmas means? It means Christ Mass the celebration of the Mass, the celebration of Eucharist, of communion, is where we get the word Christmas. And as we take communion tonight, I want to ask you to do this. Remember why Jesus came, that he didn't come to be a cute baby, but he came to give his life for each of us, and just spend a few minutes reflecting before you come up to the table. Here's another thing. Everyone is welcome. I don't care what church you're from. I don't care what background you have. These guys were Zoroastrian or Babylonian astrologers. Like, I don't know if you can beat that. (laughs) And they came to worship at the feet of the king, understanding who he was. So if you understand who he is, that he is your savior and he is your Lord, please come up and take communion. And here's the other thing. We're going to dip. So We're going to take one of these crackers and incidentally, gluten-free, woo, 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 (laughs) gluten, no kidding, gluten-free, and you're going to dip it in here. It's called intinction. It's an ancient Orthodox tradition, okay? And then you're going to take it up there or back at your seat, whichever way you want to do it. Did you know that Bethlehem means house of bread? And did you also know that lambs that were raised for sacrifice in the temple that were going to give their blood were raised in Bethlehem. Now, as you go to the tables, we're also going to take a special offering tonight. And because there was no room for the inn, in the inn for Joseph and Mary, we're going to call it a making room offering. All of this money is going to go to help people who are homeless, people that are living in their cars, people that are living in the local hotels to have deposits for apartments and rooms for rent this year. And our goal is to help at least six families to get off the street with this offering. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to come up and take communion, and you're going to put your offering inside the little barn, inside the manger scene. So checks, cash, whatever you want, all of that is going to be gathered up and will be used only to help families get off the street. Is that exciting? Right on. And here's the last thing. Just make sure that you focus your heart And that if you want to come up as a family, just wait for everybody to be ready. And if you have kids, come up with them and help them take communion with them. And what age should kids take communion? Whatever is appropriate for you. If they understand who Jesus is, bring them on. Let's take communion.